Hey, it's Chris Bleck. Welcome to Chris Bleck Conversations. This week, I'm having a chat with Michael Ruiz. He is a coach for men who want to become stronger, freer, more honest, generally more based. His company is called The Sovereign Mindset. You can find him on X at Sov Mindset. And we talk about the meaning of sovereignty in today's world, whether or not it's actually achievable, and the toll that the constant struggle for freedom can have on a man. So it's a really, really great chat. I really enjoyed it. Before we get to that, a couple words about my sponsors. What I need you to do is get over to bitrefill.com as soon as you can, because there's something awesome here that I feel like most people don't understand. You can look at the prepaid MasterCard, for instance. This is a MasterCard that can be used anywhere that you can use MasterCard. You could use it online. You can even use it on Apple Pay or Android Pay in a store, in an actual store. You can come here, choose the amount that you want, and then you can purchase it with crypto. So it can be with Bitcoin, it could be with ETH, it could be with USDC. It's your choice what kind of crypto you use. If you enter promo code Chris Black after you create an account, you're gonna get 10% of your first purchase back in Bitcoin to use towards another gift card. That's Chris Black, no space, okay? You're gonna wanna do that as soon as possible. Trust me, it's a good deal. My other sponsor I wanna talk to you about is Ronin Dojo. If you want to use Bitcoin as privately as you can, you need to run your own full node. And you want to run a full node from a developer that's as committed to privacy as you are. That's why you need to get over to Ronin Dojo. Get their Tonto full node. Use promo code BLEK to get $10 off your purchase. Check it out at ronindojo.io. My man, Michael Ruiz, Sovereign Mindset. What's going on, Chris? How are you? I, I'm great, uh, actually. Just got back from a trip to the north uh, where the weather was okay, um, but back now in sunny Florida. That's right. As are, as are you, I believe. Yep. I think we um, got like our first cold front coming in. Yeah, man. That, uh, we just dodged a tornado last week up here. It was kind yeah. of crazy. Like I was outside looking for it. it. Woke us up like two in the morning. It was the first time I ever had that happen. Yeah, you got the uh, alert. The uh, yeah, on your yeah. phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the wind and the rain. And so, oh. but anyway, man, <clears throat> I first like got interested in in what you're doing on Twitter and elsewhere um, because of your name, which is, I mean, your Twitter name, which is the Sovereign Mindset, right? And so, like Bitcoin and everything, the whole story is about being sovereign, being self-sovereign. Um, tell us like what you do. Like, let's start there because some people might not be familiar with what you do, like why you are here. Got you. So, I mean, I can give you a little bit about my background. So, so got an accounting and finance background um, and then went into electrical engineering where I was working on the uh, power grid um, and found my way into libertarian politics and when I discovered Ron Paul. And Ron Paul was a breath of fresh air. It's the first time that I was introduced to libertarian politics. And um and I just went down that rabbit hole. And that eventually leads you to what money is, right? What is money? And I found out about the Federal Reserve system. And it wasn't 
long before that, uh, or long after that, that I became a gold and silver bug. And, you know, once you understand the principles of money and you, you, you become a gold and silver bug, it's not a big leap. At least it wasn't for me. You know, I didn't have that maybe boomer mentality. Uh, so I was able to make the transition to Bitcoin fairly easily that once I understood money. And um, so got into the Bitcoin space, got into the Bitcoin world, became like a Bitcoin consultant. I was helping high net worth individuals acquire Bitcoin. Back in the day, it was a little bit harder. So I would use my connections to uh, help, uh, yeah, help these guys out, get uh, their hands on some Bitcoin. Um, and since then, just became interested in the ideas of personal sovereignty, right? Especially with all the things happening in the world um, and realizing the narratives, a lot of the narratives that we've been told and been taught um, have been you know, a lot of them have been constructed in order to manipulate us in all different types of ways. And so I was like, just wondering, why is it that I have these libertarian views? Why is it that I can see sort of the manipulation tactics taking place? Um, and, you know, what, what is it about kind of this perspective, this sovereign mindset uh, what what entails it? What makes it up? And so I've been kind of going down this rabbit hole. Uh, it's led me to becoming a coach, a men's coach, where I help guys kind of build a vision for their lives, um, you know, set certain goals, and then develop the structure and the discipline to go after them. Because there is a lot about being a sovereign, like having a sovereign mindset that requires you to get out of your comfort zone and uh, make adjustments because I think we've been all acclimated to kind of these fiat ways, right? We've all uh, adopted fiat ways just through the societal programming. So um, it has led me to become now a personal development coach. And that's what I'm currently doing. I uh, have a community called The Sovereign Mindset, and I run a monthly cohort called The Strongman Challenge. It's based off of the idea of, you know, weak men create... Um, Weak men create hard times, something like that, and uh, yeah. strong men strong men create good times, and so it's kind of like a call to action to dig down deep, find your potential in order to revitalize civilization again, to reorient it to a place of uh, goodness and truth, um, and I think like that ethos is embodied very well in the Bitcoin culture as well. So there is a lot of crossover to what I'm doing. And uh, the ideas around Bitcoin. So, what is sovereignty to you? Because I, like, I use the term a lot, and I have my own personal, I guess, definition. It's hard to put my finger sometimes on exactly what I mean even when I say it, because it's broad. Like to me, it's very specific, but it is a very broad topic. So, like, how do you define sovereignty? Man, that is a good question, and it is something that I've been ta trying to tackle for a while now, um, because. Just like Bitcoin, how it's multifaceted and um, it extends into many different layers of life, uh, like money, right? It's it's kind of the root of civilization. Like I see the same thing with sovereignty, right? There's this aspect of it where it's about self-reliance or it's about um, taking responsibility over your life. It's about uh, becoming self-aware, right? Um, it's about being conscious of your interdependencies um so 
in that regard, I mean, we can go over each aspect, but it's hard to pinpoint, but it does entail those different aspects, which I just talked about, you know, uh, uh, yeah. a desire to be autonomous, right? Also an understanding that in this world, there are people and institutions and structures that are going to try to manipulate you psychologically, emotionally, and being aware of that as well, being aware of your societal programming, uh, your cultural programming, um, and really working to cultivate your own thoughts, your own frameworks for, you know, understanding the world. Um, and yeah, so those, I would say that's kind of the gist of it, but it boils down to so much more. Uh, I think having a sovereign mindset is also being forward thinking, you know, looking out into the future and seeing what the trends, what trends are happening. Um, understanding that technology can be a tool for us to leverage and, uh, uh, for us to leverage and create more freedom in our lives and empower ourselves to go after, you know, big goals. It's about, um, you know, it's about building as well, you know, building this life that you want for yourself and, you know, taking charge of not only your life, but your family, your community, and understanding that you have influence as a man and you can, you can create, you are born to be a creator in this world. And uh, I think that so many people right now, uh, men in general, um, and I know this because I was like this, um, have just kind of abdicated that duty, right? Have outsourced a lot of the responsibility to, you know, the different institutions of society. And I think we can see the result, the fruit of that happening right now. And so, yeah, that's kind of a long-winded answer to your question, but I'm curious about you. What, what are your thoughts on, on what sovereignty is, what a sovereign mindset is and so forth? Yeah. Like as you're talking, I realize it's kind of like uh, decentralization. You know, people make a mistake and they think that you're, and I used to do this too. Like, you know, you used to think, okay, it's either decentralized or centralized as far as like cryptocurrency or other types of technology go. And the fact of the matter is that it's, it's neither, you know, it's, it's a spectrum and there's no binaries. Like there's nothing that we know of as human beings that's completely decentralized. And there's nothing we know of that's completely centralized either. Like everything exists somewhere on that spectrum. So like the best we can do today is Bitcoin as far as money goes. Like that's the yep. best that we have as far. And it, that's getting debatable too. But I mean, it's like, it's the best that we have as far as decentralized uh, cryptocurrency, but it's not completely decentralized, right? So I think the same thing applies to, to sovereignty. You know, it's like, you strive to get, become more sovereign as an individual, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But achieving a full, a hundred percent sovereignty, even in a world without countries, in a world without anything, I mean, you're still relying on the earth. You're still relying on, you know, animals to be your food, you know? So it's like, you're never completely, you have to exist with other things in the world, right? So, um, I, I do see it somewhere, but one thing that you said that really I think is the the key is that you have to desire it, you have to want it, you have to get to a certain level of enlightenment. And I really do believe it's enlightenment the way that we used to think about like the Buddha and stuff like that. You know, it's like you hit that point, and people talk about like falling down the rabbit hole with Bitcoin and stuff. It's kind of like that. You get enlightened all of a sudden. It's like you're born again, you know. And it, 
And you start to realize there's more to life than just fitting into this system and doing what I've always been told to do and just, you know, working until I'm 65 or 70 and then just waiting to die. You know, there's more to life than that. And it's similar also to people you see walking down the street that weigh 400 pounds and eat at McDonald's every day and don't even think about the alternatives, right? Because they just, why? Like, what's the point? It's like they don't desire to be healthy in their body. And I shouldn't talk because I'm kind of chubby. But I mean, <laughs> it's, it's so to me, it's in the same vein as things like that. It's like you have to want it. And then after that, you spend the rest of your life striving for more of it. Like it's a never ending journey. Yeah, it is. An, it is a never ending journey of, you know, self actualization and self awareness and so forth. Um, and you're absolutely right. It's one of the conclusions that I came to as well, as far as sovereignty being a spectrum. So what I try to do as well is kind of map out the territory of your life, the different aspects of it, and you know, becoming conscious and aware of your interdependencies. Like you said, we all need to exist in this world of objects, and, and we all rely on you know, these external influences to some degree or not. But it's also becoming conscious and aware of them, right? Like, okay, you're getting your food from Whole Foods. Okay, great. Now you're dependent on Whole Foods. But if they require you to have some type of chip in order to buy your food, well, now, you know, you're now dependent on this source of this source uh, for food that is going to impose their will on you in order to, you know, um, to buy that food. So it's like, you know, becoming aware of that. And then deciding, hey, I'm okay with this relationship with this, you know, uh, external dependency that I have, right? So, what I try to do in my program and with my guys is I try to map out the territory of your life and de decide, hey, do you want to be on dependent on this person? Do you want to de be dependent on this institution? How can we move the needle forward for you to become less independent if it's something that, um, or less dependent if it's something that. If it's a relationship which you've deemed not within an, an alignment with your values, for instance, right? So, um, you know, a lot of my guys right now, they're building up their local network, talking to different ranchers, uh, talking to different farmers and building their like conscious interdependencies where they now are moving the needle, right? In that, in that spectrum of sovereignty towards something that's more in alignment with you know their overall value system and so that's kind of what it what it's like we can't have we can't be fully independent we can't be fully self-reliant unless we want to really like remove ourselves from society and go live on the woods in a very simplistic way uh, uh and lifestyle but if we want to interact which i think human beings right we are social creatures i think it gives us fulfillment uh to um to live within a society and um it's a process where we can really self-actualize our skills and our knowledge in order to create in this world. And so um, just becoming conscious and aware of it. Do you work for you know, a corporation that's going to require you to take a, uh, you know, a COVID shot? Um, in, you know, in that case, hey, what can you do to perhaps um, change this interdependency that you have to become more sovereign, to, to live more in alignment with your values, because you already know that there's going to be this external influence onto you, which doesn't align with you. So yeah, I think it's very much a, a spectrum and becoming aware of the trade-offs. Yeah. 
I, I go back and forth on like the awareness. Like, so I used to think that just being aware of all the problems was enough uh, to make somebody want to be sovereign. You know, like once they realize X, Y, Z, once they realize that the, that the dollar is a useless currency long-term, once they realize uh, how much we're being controlled by the government, that they'll automatically want to get out of that system. And as time goes on, I'm getting a little more pessimistic that because I feel like um, there's a large subset of people out there that understand the problems, understand the nature of like the currency and of the government and everything, but they actually are actually opposed to people becoming more free, you know, and more sovereign, like everything that you're talking about. So do you feel like there's actual active opposition to this kind of thinking? Because that's the way I've sort of been evolving in my head. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's always opposition to this line of thinking, right? Like there's this always this pressure to conform to the herd, to the group. So I think you're always going to have that. But I think pers- as a, as a, um, I think that people are waking up. They're waking up to their kind of their enslavement into this system. And they're, a lot of people are not, not down with it, right? And so I think that there is, an op, there is an optimistic view that you know a lot more people are becoming aware. I, I, the fact that I'm having this conversation right now on your podcast, I think, is a testament to that. But like when you, you know, just ten years ago is a very um, lonely place to be a uh, sovereign-minded individual um, because so many people were still within the grips of this, you know, this paradigm, which I think it's a it's um it's a great deception that's been put upon us because you look at two party politics and you know all of that to me seems like a uh, a rigged game and so it's like recognizing that i think a lot of people are now recognizing that more a lot of people are realizing hey there's something wrong with the system that the narratives that we've been told number 1 they don't seem to hold water anymore number 2 they don't serve my interests Okay, so now I'm gonna have to figure things out for myself. Where do I start? Um, there's a process for all of that to take take place. It took me a long time to do it. Remember, when we become acclimated to a certain way of life, it takes a while to readjust. Some people never will. Some people are gonna just be happy um, or just take whatever life throws at them and just go along with the uh, go along with the program and take whatever consequences come with that other people i i don't know what it is it's this is kind of what you were alluding to what is it within people that makes them wake up and become aware and make them become like kind of like almost sentient again right where they're like hold up i'm in the matrix here and uh i need to pull myself out i don't know what that is um i've heard different people say it might even be like a a genetic mutation or something like that where you know we just we're not programmed to go along with the herd, the the group think. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know what it is, but I know that it seems like there's a lot more people waking up. And so if I can use my voice to find those people and then assist them on their path to becoming more sovereign, um, that's work that I find fulfilling. So, um, yeah, as far as like, 
to your question, yes, there's going to be a, a big subset of people that always kind of go with the program. But I also do think that there's a lot more people waking up as well. There's so many parallels to what I'm trying to do with crypto for the past like three years, because initially Bitcoin was the focus, you know, and everybody thought of crypto and they thought of Bitcoin and Bitcoin is, you know, a, a um, it's as decentralized as we know how to get, you know, so there's something to be proud of, you know, crypto is Bitcoin, Bitcoin is a the original cryptocurrency, the most decentralized cryptocurrency. But as time has gone on, that's changed a little bit, you know, and you say crypto now and people don't really think of Bitcoin. They think of this wider sphere of cryptocurrency technology and tokens and DeFi and all these different uh, things that have evolved. They think of that as crypto to the point where Bitcoiners say Bitcoin is not crypto because they don't want to be associated with that. But there's probably, I would say at this point, more people that are interacting with the sort of more centralized forms of crypto now than are interacting with Bitcoin, you know, because there's more opportunities to make money. It's more of like traditional trading and stuff like that. And so, but what I found is that a lot of the people that are interacting with it, they don't fully understand how different it is from Bitcoin and they don't understand who they have to trust in order to use it. And there's a lot of deception going on as far as when you're using these other cryptos, who, who do you have to trust? Is it as decentralized, nearly as decentralized as Bitcoin? Is it just one guy, you know, who mm -hmm. has a key that could pull everything out? Like you, people don't know. And a lot of people don't even try to understand that. Mm -hmm. So when I think about that and I interact with these people, uh, I think about the people you're talking about who just haven't reached that point in their life yet for some reason where they want to take responsibility for their decisions, you know? And so my hope is if I can continue to raise awareness about those centralized sort of choke points that exist in crypto, that one out of every 50 people will wake up and be like, oh, this is like, this is not good. I need to strive for something better. I shouldn't be putting my trust in these people I don't even know, you know, mm -hmm. with my life savings or the rest of my existence. So I think that there's tremendous parallels. And actually, oh, yeah, huge. Your, your approach is way better because you're actually empathetic about it. Like I go out there and I just scream at people and I'm trying to tell them, like, why are you using this garbage? You know, and I, yeah, sort of try to raise awareness that way. But there is a next step that I haven't been very good at taking, which is coaching people out of that mentality, you know, coaching them into understanding why Bitcoin is better, you know, why decentralized crypto is better than the stuff that they're currently trusting. It's hard, man. And I think most people take the least pass, uh, the path of least resistance. And, you know, waking people up to their sovereignty is not an easy feat. And, you know, it really depends on their value system. You know, for most people, they just want to get by in life. They want the nice house, the nice cars, you know, uh, go through the motions, follow the program, not be bothered, not be too troubled with, you know, the complexities of life. And, you know, that's a, 
And then all of a sudden you have to come and tell them, hey, and the system rewards them for that, right? The system will reward them for that. That's the problem too. That's and a so, big problem. Yeah. And so you, you know, you're up against a tall order. It's only, I think it's only a small percentage that really have that value system because there is a, there is a certain amount of work um, that, that it takes to be sovereign. Um, and there is a certain amount of sacrifice as well. And so, yeah, I just think that there's always going to be this mass of people who just take the path of least resistance and it's going to be really hard to, to, you know, get them to see otherwise. Um, but there is kind of this remnant out there who does need a voice like you, um, out there who is talking about these principles, talking about these values, talking about why it's important to, um, you know, to be in control of your money, to recognize who you're being dependent on, um, to recognize who you're giving your information to, you know, and yeah, it might serve you in, in a lucrative fashion, but what are you giving up? You know, um, what's the trade-off? And, uh, I think that's important. And I think that there's people out there listening and they do need to be coached. And that's why I think your voice is important. Um, because yeah, it's, it, those people will eventually come around if they hear it enough, enough, you know? Um, but I don't know, I don't know what, what it takes to get the masses on board. Um, you know, originally I had hope that Bitcoin would just kind of create the incentive structure where people even, people would come on board unwittingly, right? With a, this value system, which supported individual freedom, autonomy, and sovereignty. But now that I see the developments with BlackRock entering the space, I just think people are just going to go with what's easier and they're just going to, you know, give up their sovereignty, their, their monetary sovereignty to BlackRock. And I think that uh, we might just be repeating the same mistakes that we have with the legacy fiat system. You, well, you hit on it before because I think the key to this whole problem is that the system, <clears throat> the system rewards conformity. You know, so it's not profitable. It is in certain ways, but it's not profitable to strive for, to separate yourself from the system, right? So it's similar to in crypto. Uh, the more decentralized a system gets in crypto, the slower it gets, the less efficient it gets, um, the more expensive it gets to use, you know, the less scalable it becomes. You know, so there's when you're looking at it from the point of view of like uh, a tech company or something like that, why would you choose this slow Bitcoin-like system that's expensive and pollutes the environment, all this nonsense, when you could have this beautiful, slick, fast system on a server, you know, like an Amazon or, or a, <laughs> you know, a cloud server or something yeah. like that, and it doesn't pollute and it's fast and it's super cheap. You know, it's like looking at Bitcoin versus like a Solana or some of these other cryptocurrencies that are basically running on, you know, just like these super centralized infrastructures and it's trade-offs, right? Every time you trade speed, uh, you take, you slow Bitcoin, you trade off for speed, you're going to get more centralized. Same thing goes for all the other things that I mentioned. So I think 
it's the same thing with our freedom to a large extent, right? It's like if you want to become more free, you're going to have to give up um, the big gains you might be achieving through through this or that, or you might have to give up uh, that that you know three hundred thousand dollar a year salary that you're getting. And you know as well as I do, if you're listening and you make you know big money working for a company, you're achieving that by conforming to the company's standards, and the company is forcing you to basically um, conform to society's standards. Right? It's like big, uh, you know, if you go out on on Twitter like me and say the stuff I say or say say stuff that, that Michael says, you're gonna have a hard time getting that three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand dollar a year job at a big company. You know, trust me, I know. <laughs> so it's 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 those trade-offs that people aren't comfortable making. And that in their defense, they you know, all of us at the end of the day are incentivized to do what we think is best for our family. Right? So if somebody thinks in their head, if I'm making four hundred grand a year, I can support my family a lot better than if I'm making 75 grand a year and just, you know, sort of doing side gigs and stuff like that. Um, it's a, it's that shift in mindset, you know, that I think people have a hard time making. So do you think, well, I guess the one question I have for you is, do you think it's selfish to a certain extent to, to try to achieve more sovereignty, especially when you have a family and especially when it could mean like less money and less, resources in the immediate future like what do you think about it from that point of view talking to somebody who's making the 400 grand and doesn't want to give it up yeah it's tough it's tough you do have an obligation responsibility and a duty to your family um you know i'm not in that position so i haven't really gone through the thought process um deeply but you know i have people who who have contended with that trade-offs and they're in a very uh, precarious situation. I talk to guys where they know that the company they're working for is basically an agent of the matrix, like, right. And, um, and they're like, you know, I don't like it. I don't feel good going to work. I don't feel good doing my job, but what am I supposed to do? I have, you know, I have kids and a family to feed. Right. And so it's, it's a tough situation. I, um, I think that that's really left up to the individual to decide what's right, you know, um, talk to their family and figure out what they're willing to sacrifice in order to live by their principles and their values. Um, you know, the alternative, I would say, or the, the, yeah, the alternative perspective is that if you continue to conform and comply with this system, eventually it's going to lead you to a place of complete slavery, right? That's that's the only alternative I would say to that. It's like, yeah, you'll be able to feed your family and take care of them, but what's it going to cost you, right? Are you going to have to have a, are you going to have to be part of a central bank digital currency system, right? How far are you willing to comply with this techno totalitarian agenda that's being foisted upon us? Because that's eventually where it's going to go. So you know, and I think it's becoming much more evident now. And that decision for families to make, hey, do we, you know, do we lower our standard of living? Do we live more simplistic in order to live in alignment with our values? Um, I think it's becoming much more aware what what you know what the alternative is 
if you just continue to go along with the program. And so perhaps that decision is becoming a lot more easier than it was 10 years ago, where it wasn't as obvious as what the agenda is out there. Mm. The pandemic woke a lot of people up, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, people, I, yeah, so people will, I, call me a conspiracy theorist for talking like this, but I think it's, it's self-evident at this point, um, you know, what, what the overarching power structures want to do, the systems that they want to implement. And, you know, I think that for me, part of my calculations always involve that, involve that the end goal for them is to capture us uh, in such a way where it really destroys our individuality and our autonomy, where we just become cogs in their machine. And there's going to be a sacrifice that you're going to need to take in order to not go along with that, but that's a sacrifice I'm willing to do. I'm willing to do that. And so I, you know, I look for others who are willing to do that as well, right? Because it does take work then to reorient your life uh, in order to remove yourself from this system so you're not subjected to kind of their, uh, their demands. Um, you know, what, what does it require for some, you know, they, I've, I've talked to guys who've left Canada because they were, they were forcing them to get the vaccine and they didn't know how far it was going to go. So they left, right. And they found freedom in other places. So, you know, people are willing to do big things. And if you think about it, just in the, our recent past history, what, some of our ancestors did in order to find a better life, to find freedom. I mean, it might not even be asking so much compared to what they went through, right? Like they had to sail uh, the Atlantic Ocean on wooden ships, right? Like with no electricity and barely knowing if they're going to get here. So it's like, what, you know, like how soft have we become that a little bit of inconvenience is going to force you to go along with this kind of totalitarian agenda? Yeah. When you say they, 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 who's they? Who's the they that's coming I mean, after us? I just think it's this international corporate conglomerate, you know, uh, government and corporate conglomerate that seeks to seize power. I mean, if you listen to Larry Fink, right, he talks about how, yeah, life's a lot easier when you have um, totalitarian governments in charge. And I think that's ultimately just how they look at us, right? They, they just, they're doing what's in their self-interest to preserve their well-being and their power. And, you know, if it's controlling us, well, I'm considering myself here on the bottom um, of the pyramid, right? Um, and if it's like implementing systems that control us in order for them to maintain um, the system that benefits them, right? Like, obviously, they were able to deceive us or deceive society with fiat currency for so long which funneled the productive capital from the working class all the way to the top. And, you know, now we're seeing the result of that in with the inflation that's coming about. But, you know, for, for decades, they've been able to, like, siphon off uh, the wealth of society, right? Um, and so I think they want to maintain that system. Um, whoever it is, you know, the central bankers, um, whatever, whoever's controlling the kind of power strings right now is they, and, you know, I think it's, it's more of a, a conglomerate than an actual 
you know, group of people. And so that's kind of my, my idea of who they is. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, um, it, it's tricky and difficult to even discuss still for me. I'm trying to get ideas straight in my head, but I, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes I think that we make when we get into these conversations, we, me being just the collective people who are awake and know enough to have these conversations, um, is that we think that the people who are pushing that kind of agenda are coming at it from like an evil place or that they think, uh, you know, like they have bad intentions uh, for us. And I think that um, for me, I sort of started to realize, you know what? I don't think anybody that's doing anything and even like going to the people we think are most evil in history, like a Hitler or something like that, like in Hitler's mind, he's doing good, you know? So it's like Hitler's not sitting there thinking, I am the most evil person in the world. I'm going to do terror. He's not a super villain in his mind, right? So it's like the same way that somebody like uh, Hillary Clinton or Bill Gates or these people who we think of as trying to control the world and pushing an agenda that we don't believe in, um, they're looking at it from a point of view, I think, of like, this is the best path forward for humanity over the next few hundred years, you know? And so um, it really, when you start to see it that way, for me, it starts to become clear that it's not that much different from you know, living, you know, in a country that's debating, should we, you know, have liberty or should we have socialism? You know, it's like that sort of conversation, but it's happening on a much grander scale. And I think that one advantage that 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 side, the the controlling side, we'll call it, um, tends to have over the individuals like us uh, is that they have, first of all, they've got the money, right? So they have power. But also they have um, a broader, they have a longer time preference almost. You know, it's like they're thinking 500 years into the future because they can afford to. They don't have to worry about paying their rent next month, right? It's like they're able to think ahead. They're, they're thinking about their great, 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 great grandkids, you know, and how, what kind of world they're going to live in and what kind of power uh, and resources they're going to have. Um, whereas... When I feel like when you try to strive for sovereignty on an individual level and you live that libertarian sort of life, um, you sort of you'll you'll never be in that position where you can <clears throat> where you can um, think that far. I mean, and we do we still do think that far out. But as far as being able to act upon it, having the resources to do so, um, that's where it gets really confusing and hard to think about because. I do think you and I and people like us, we do think about the next generation, generation after that. We do think longer term, but we still have to spend a large chunk of our time figuring out how we're going to pay the rent next month. You know, so you, why do you think we don't see many people on the level of control and resources of a Bill Gates or Hillary Clinton? We don't see many of them being pushing for sovereignty of the individual. We don't, 
like, I guess Elon Musk is an example of the opposite of that. But it's, it's, why do you think that most people who achieve that level of power use it in the way that Bill Gates well, does, for instance? I think that's a new phenomenon. I think that if you look at maybe the, the wealthy of the past, I think that they had a much more altruistic view of life. And they, you know, like I went to a park the other day and the park was created by this millionaire or billionaire back in the day who, you know, built it and in order to kind of give back to society, to, to give back to the local community, to, to provide something of value that uh, exists into the future. I don't think that exists anymore. And I think because it's because the rich now, the ultra wealthy now have found their wealth through the fiat system, which rewards corruption and cutthroat competition it doesn't reward cooperation. And so I think that it may change. And I think that the idea of thinking long-term and building out a legacy, I think it's starting to make a comeback even amongst individuals. I know I'm thinking about it now more for the first time um, and a lot more other people are as well. I think there's a couple factors that um, that make that the case. Number one is Bitcoin, right? All of a sudden, now we have capital that can last into the future um, and that we can transfer and that we could even probably program in some type of way to continue our legacy uh, in some type of way. I, you know, I don't know if it's multi-sig contracts or what other contracts will be built, but like, I could imagine a world where you know, y- your Bitcoin, if you wanted to, can fund enterprises into the future, can incentivize certain enterprises into the future, right? And so now you can really start thinking long-term. I also think that there's a revival of uh, religion and spirituality, uh, particularly in in Christianity, that's happening that, you know, people are now thinking, you know, beyond just the here and now, but into their afterlife as well. Which I think for a long time, we've been the mindset of society has been pretty much secular. I know I grew up like that. Um, but I think with this revival of Christianity, it's also extending <laughs> the time horizon beyond just just what's uh, you know time and space, but actually now into eternity. And so you're, you're thinking about the salvation of your soul now more. Um, so I think those two factors are really going to change the landscape and the dynamic and how individuals think about the actions that they take, especially into the future. And I think that we're going to start to see cross, um, cross family cooperation, you know, uh, where, because I think that's one of the key issues that's really affected, um, the way society has been shaped is that we become atomized and we, we cooperate with each other solely um, through corporations for the most part, right? And we're not actually putting our, um, our interests in alignment with those except to make money. So I think that now we're going to start seeing families build together and build into the future. And uh, I think I'm already starting to see the beginnings of that where families are coming together, they're creating retreats. Uh, they're um, creating a culture around, you know, 
uh, raising their kids with values. Um, and you know, that stuff gives me hope. And I think that who, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that that is going to start changing the landscape and that I do see people like, you know, hopefully Elon Musk is a good actor. I'm still unsure about that. But for instance, you know, I do think that we're going to start seeing a lot more philanthropy that actually exalts the human spirit versus, you know, oppressing it and bringing it down. And, um, so there is, there is, I am optimistic in that regard that we're going to start seeing a change in the elite class and how they interact with society. And, you know, um, yeah, so it's kind of my short answer, long answer there. Yeah. It, it gets so tricky though, when you go back to what we were talking about before and like, it's, it's less profitable for them in the long term to support our quest for sovereignty. You know, it's like, we would all well, love what, it if. Hmm? What's, li what's life about then? You know, like, is it just to make as much, I think that's what a lot of people are discovering. Like what, even for these billionaires or these ultra wealthy, what's life about? I mean, that's the thing for some of them, they want to live for eternity. Like that's their goal. Like you could see, like you see them on Twitter, right? Like they're trying to, uh, become gods here on earth and for those people yeah i mean they're going to become super um selfish and parasitic but for for others who have a more humanistic view of life they're going to they're going to i think they're going to come to the same realizations that we all come to like hey what you know like is life only about chasing money and having you know having social rank at the top because eventually it's going to run out. Eventually you're going to die. So man, maybe life, maybe there's more to life and maybe there's something that I can leave behind that's actually of value towards to the people. I think that many of them will start coming to that conclusion. I mean, that's might be wishful thinking, but hey, I, I mean, I think we're starting to see a little bit of that happening now. Yeah. You know, what I think part of the problem is, is that the people who, who do think that way and who support our quest for freedom on an individual level, because it really, it's every individual's job to secure their own freedom, right? So you and me and, and everybody else needs to go on that personal journey. And so, yeah, there's people, there's billionaires out there who support that. But the way that they support that is by not doing anything. It's by leaving us alone, right? as opposed to the people who don't support that and the way that they don't support that is by taking action and being loud and trying to create zombies all throughout the world, you know, and, and trying to herd the sheep. So I think that's one of the biggest things is like the noisier people are naturally the people who want more control and the quieter people who just lay back, they, you know, are supportive of us, but their job is to lay back, you know? So I've started to come to the realization you know, in a pragmatic sense and like approaching reality for what it is that libertarians almost need to come to terms with the fact that the majority of people in the world are never going to fully understand what they need to do. They're going to follow. We're not going to be able to get rid of the followers. And we're getting to the point now with the, the global population where the followers are capable of tyrannizing us. You know, the tyranny of the majority is, is very real, especially 
as we grow into the multi, multi billions and eventually just, you know, huge numbers of people on the planet, the, the additional people on the planet are not going to be libertarians, right? They're going to be followers because they don't even have food. They don't even have clean water. They need help. So I think that libertarians over the next few years and decades need to come to terms with the fact that we actually have to herd the sheep. We actually have to be willing to take control of you know, power structures in order to lead people to freedom. And then we need to figure out how to make that uh, appealing to people. You know, it's 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 a different way of thinking about government, I think, and about power structures. Yep. But up until now, like the stuff that you're talking about has been happening because people have been approaching it from this like laid back, hands off point of view. You know what I mean about like the sheep and, and hurting the sheep? Yeah. And I think that it is just because we've come, become acclimated to these top down uh, power systems, right? Because they they're efficient. And so that's all we've pretty much known. But, you know, the way I see that happening is that I think that there's tremendous power in the individual. And I think that we can create power structures within our own sphere of influence, within our own local community, and create a type of independence and self-reliance that, uh, that allows for the local community to flourish. And I think that if we can do that on a massive scale, right, throughout the world, uh, that changes the dynamics of, you know, the top-down power structure. And the way I view it is just similar to like, you know, the nodes showing up on a Bitcoin network, right? It's like all of a sudden you have all of these little freedom pockets throughout the world sprouting up. Like I think El Salvador is a good example of this where, you know, you had one guy go there and turn this sleepy beach town into a Bitcoin economic zone. And all of a sudden that created the cascading effect, right? for it to turn into an international movement where you have a whole country basically adopting Bitcoin as legal tender and um, moving everyone onto a Bitcoin standard if they choose to, right? Huge. But it happened from one guy. And so I think that, the, that especially with technology, the power of the individual is going to, is becoming much more revealed. And I think that we're going to start seeing people try big things, big ideas. And I think that is what's going to change the landscape um, as far as the power structures are concerned. And it's kind of like the, thought, uh, the sovereign individual thesis, right? Uh, it's going to be a transition phase. It doesn't happen all at once, but we can already start to see it happening now, even with this movement for like Bitcoin citadels, right? The whole idea is like, hey, we're going we're gonna to build this parallel society, this parallel economy, because this alternative of one is full of corruption, um, full of, you know, um, authoritarian influence, um, and it's not in alignment with my value system. So we're gonna we're going to get together and we're gonna build a alternative uh, community. And I think that what's going to end up happening, or what I hope will end up happening, is that we're just going to see these networks of decentralized communities throughout the world start to build their own supply chains with one another and interact with one another. Um, and I think that's what changes the power structure um, and allows for hu human flourishing on, a, on another level, on a level that we haven't seen in, in for a long time, if not ever, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know if you about. share. I don't know if you share my optimism or if you can see that perspective. But <laughs> I'd, I'd I'd be curious your thoughts. As you're talking, I'm thinking about during the pandemic, um, how surprised I was to see some libertarians and libertarian like think tanks like the Cato Institute and 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 others, you know that that I respected as libertarians as as free thinkers, you know, as, as supporters of sovereignty, um, suddenly kind of like, like just like the walking dead, all of a sudden they just turned into supporters of tyranny, you know, supporters of the oppression of individual rights with regards to public health and bodily autonomy. It's like there were libertarians out there saying like, you should be required to get this medical treatment against your will because Liberty only goes so far, you know? So it's like, I feel like there's these demons lurking in a lot of people's heads that can only be triggered through tremendous amounts of fear and, and crisis and, and dog whistles to a certain extent. And I, I do get worried about like locking in with any particular group of people um, because I feel like you, you never know what, what demons are, are lurking. You know what I mean? So it's like one thing I'm thinking about as you're talking is like I feel like we as a as a as people thinking in this space need to sit down and almost like like draft a constitution of like sovereignty the real yeah like I mean things that are unviolatable like I mean if if the founders of this country knew about the challenges we were going to face with with like bodily autonomy and and stuff like during the pandemic, if they knew that was coming, they would have written into the constitution that the government can't force any citizen to get a medical treatment. Absolutely. A hundred percent. But they couldn't foresee it, right? They couldn't, obviously, because it's not there, but I absolutely think they would have all been on board with that. So what are we not thinking of now that's going to be a problem in 10, 20, 30 years that's going to trigger people into trying to oppress freedom again. Like people living in the Bitcoin Citadel, all of a sudden half of them are going to try to force the other half to do something. You know, it's like anytime there's groups of people, I get nervous now. So that's what I try to think about. I try to think like, what is going to be, what are we not thinking of? Like with regards to artificial intelligence and with regards to the way we use technology and with regards to, um, still with public health. Cause I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. Public health is going to be an insane issue for the next 50, 100 years. Um, Self-driving cars, you know, it's like stuff like that. Like, I don't even, I, I know I don't want one because I know the government's going to be able to control, like, the behavior of it and whether it's going to drive me off a cliff or have me run over that 10-year-old girl. It's like, see, stuff that, like that. <laughs> that, that and drives that's me nuts. That's the difference. And that's the forward thinking that I think you know, sovereign individuals or sovereign minded individuals need to have is understanding that, that it's going to be used. Like, I think that we are in a war right now between collectivism and individualism. And it's, you know, there's, and at the center of it is technology, right? This, uh, this ability for us to liberate ourselves from oppressive systems that seek our conformity and which are getting more totalitarian by the day. So, there is going to be this war. And so you're going to have to recognize that people are, or there are going to be forces out there that are going to get, try to get you to conform 
And so being forward thinking in that is going to really help you out, right? Like you thinking that, hey, I don't want a self-driving car, even though it's nice and luxurious and convenient, you know, I know that one day that's going to be used against me. It's going to be used to go against my own sovereignty, right? They're going to somehow leverage that against me. And the same thing with uh, CBDCs, right? It's like, yeah, it's going to be super convenient for you to use a CBDC because you're going to be able to have access to all all the supply chains, which uh, you know this overarching corporate conglomerate controls. Uh, and you know, yeah, that's going to be super convenient. But one day it's going to be used against you. You're going to say, hey, you cannot debit your account without having this specific medical treatment uh, that we've designated important. And so, um, yeah, you just, I think it's that aspect where we got to be forward thinking and, and what that looks like into the future. I think part of it is just being adaptable, realizing that, hey, this is going to be a battle. This is going to be a battle for your soul, for your sovereignty. And you're going to have to, you're going to have to be willing to adjust and sometimes maybe even take extreme measures uh, to preserve that freedom, that autonomy that you desire. Um, and you're going to also have to draw your line in the sand. Like, what am I willing to go with and what am I not willing to go with? You know, for some people, they were willing to go along with a mask because they like, yeah, it's stupid. It's inconvenient, but I still need to get to this place. So I need to put on this mask in order to get on this plane. Right. Okay. You know, so, but how far were, what if they crossed another line? You know. Are you willing to go with that? I think people need to start making these decisions now, drawing their lines in the sand now and deciding what they're going to go along with and what they're not going to go along with. Um, and it's going to make that what you're talking about, Chris, where it's like, hey, we need to look out into the future and what are we not considering? Well, it's going to make it a lot easier then to navigate that when it comes up because I can't look into the future and tell you what's going to happen, but I can tell you the trend and I can tell you kind of the battle that we're in, the nature of it. And you're going to have to decide how far you're going to, you know, what, what parts of your life you're going to give up your sovereignty in order to comply for convenience and what parts you're willing to say, no, I'm not, I'm not going along with that and deal with the consequences that come with that. Yeah. But how do you do all that when the power structures of the world, which whether we like it or not, we're trapped in as far mm -hmm. as fiat, as far as government, you know, geopolitics and all this stuff, like how do you, like the only way that I can think of to survive this while still pursuing sovereignty, never fully achieving it, but just pursuing it, the only way is to play like loopholes in the system to try to just like, you know, I moved to Florida, still within the US power structure, still within the global power structure, um, but came here because it's like, better than new jersey right so it's it's like it's still like there's really nowhere in the world you can go to fully like the world has been conquered so to speak right it's like there's nowhere you can go to fully escape all this so is is it just really about and the same with you're you're telling people like think about farming think about how you can self-sustain your life um people move out to to fertile farmland and grow their own food and and stuff like that, but they're still running from the power structure. So is really, for us, are we limited to just trying to constantly escape and evade them? Is that what sovereignty is now becoming for us? 
Like, or is there something more that I'm missing? Because all I think about every day is like, I'm getting another passport. You know, Bitcoin is, is, you know, what it is, you know, 12 words in your head, you can go anywhere in the world. It's all about evading that constant attack. And it doesn't feel good, but it's like, that's all we've got, I feel like. Yeah, I think that it might be, it might be just the era that we're in right now, you know, uh, where this is what we have to do. And I think there are parallels to, you know, the past. I know when the Dark Ages, Dark Ages came around, right? Uh, the monks went up to the monasteries in order to preserve their their uh, their values and their their culture, right? And um, that might be what we have to do as well. It's like, yeah, we might have to kind of maneuver throughout this world in order to preserve our freedom and our values and our culture, and uh, you know, until this system kind of crumbles in on itself, right? Um, that might be the case. I, you know, I'm not sure, but, uh, there might also be the idea that you plant your flag where you're at and you deal with it the best you can, right? You find those like-minded people, you build up some type of resistance, some type of stronghold, you build up your local network, you find doctors that are aligned with your morals and your values. You find, uh, the, the local businesses, right? With the same, with the same idea. You start building up that local network. You start getting involved in your local politics. You start trying to build these little pockets of resistance throughout the United States. And I think that um, that itself, if that happens on a, you know, on a uh, on a decentralized scale, and it happens and it's distributed throughout the United States, you know, it might be enough that, you know, you can then. There is this stronghold that does develop, right? Where it's like, you know, not everyone is going to conform, and for them to get everyone to comply is going to require so much manpower, so much effort that they just allow these little pockets of 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 uh, freedom to exist within the United States, right? Um, that and that's similar to what happened in, in Russia, right? Um, during the 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 communist reign over there, um, at least from my research, like they had these little you know, um, cells of resistance, little pockets of resistance. They were, you know, they were Christian. Um, they held Bible studies in their apartment. And there was kind of like this underground network that, that existed where, you know, they took care of each other and they were able to get, get through the whole, you know, the whole communist reign, uh, pretty much intact. Um, so is that, is it, are we going to get to that level? I don't know, you know, um, but yeah, it's 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 going to be tough. It, it, you know, is that what we're faced with now? Is that the era we're we're living in where it's kind of like jumping from one, you know, from one bad situation to another and then, you know, getting that taken over and then finding another I don't know. Um hopefully not. Hopefully, you know, especially with Bitcoin, the internet, uh the communication structures that are coming out like Noster, we will be able to um you know, build this parallel societies that's built on freedom. But um, I couldn't tell you. All I know is that I can do what's in within my power, right? And with, what's within my power is to build myself up, build build my strength up, build my uh, my network up, my connections, my family, um, influence the people that I can around me, and do the best that I can. Um, because ultimately, like taking on this taking on this whole thing. 
like or thinking that you have to take on this whole power structure you're on your own uh can be very self-defeating very demoralizing right but you know from what i've experienced connecting with like-minded people around me and building these connections is very empowering all of a sudden you know i know th there's a uh, fruit farm where i can buy my fruit there's a you know a cattle rancher where i can buy my uh my meat from and i have a direct one-on-one -on -one connection with them all of a sudden it's a, it's a whole different feeling of you know of empowerment versus feeling like you're living under this kind of oppressive system like there is still a lot of freedom out there to be gained but you actually have to go out there put in the effort and and work at it a little bit right yeah yeah i just get worried that the freedom is there to be attained but then another pandemic comes along and wipes it out you know or something like a a real pandemic comes along you know where people are actually dying in the streets can you imagine after what we just went through what would happen if that was a real pandemic <laughs> a real deadly disease you know that that was actually causing that like i mean it would cause i feel like it would erode every single thing that we work for except for bitcoin because bitcoin can't be screwed with right aside from that i think i think like it would impact everything else including people that are just like even the last pandemic they tried to go after amish people right and and amish people got like i was just watching some a youtube video about this there was like no covid in amish communities cuz they don't go out they don't you know they they stayed to themselves but they were still trying to force them to to mask and to vaccinate and stuff like that and it's like if they can go after amish they can go after you on your farm out in the middle of nowhere too sure. so I get really concerned about those power structures when most of the people, that tyranny of the majority, when people get really, really scared and they just hone in. On and the same, by the way, again, parallels to Bitcoin because when, when the same thing's going to happen with, with Bitcoin, when things start to fall apart with the dollar and with the euro and with other things like that, and all of a sudden the government decides, you know what, we got to point at Bitcoin users as the bad people as the people that are causing all of these problems, you know, and, and the whole world is going to turn on people like us and start to say, you are bad, you are evil, you are criminal, you know, and I feel like across the board, as long as they can brainwash the majority into thinking something, we've got problems. So that goes back to what I said before about, we need to start thinking about how can we, and it probably won't be us, it'll be like in 50, 100 years, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren how can they be in a place where they can take over that power structure and lead those sheeple in the right direction? You know, um, that's that's where yeah, my head goes. So I agree. It's one of the things. So in regards to Bitcoin, it's it's one of the things. It's like I see Bitcoin as a network of people, right? Yes, they're machines that uh, do the hashing that secure the network, but I see it ultimately as a network of people. And if the people are weak, and they give into uh, the demands of, you know, whatever power structures out there. Um, you know, how secure then is the network, right? If they can just maybe take over these large corporate mining farms and tell them to run certain, uh, tell them to run a certain version of Bitcoin that, or implement black blacklist or whitelist. It's like, you know, I, I there is what I see out there is that people are just gonna, uh, they're just gonna bend the knee. They're gonna give in. 
And so, um, especially in the wake of a, you know, in the wake of some type of catastrophe or some type of uh, crisis, which, you know, most likely would be engineered, you're going to have all this social pressure on you. And it's either do what we say, or you're going to be labeled as the enemy. And can the Bitcoin network, can the people that run the Bitcoin network that are part of the Bitcoin network, can they take that pressure? And I mean, I don't know. And so it's the same thing. It's, it's kind of like when the next crisis hits, when the next, you know, psyop hits, can the people resist, you know, are the people strong enough in order to not give in to the demands of uh, whatever totalitarian regime is in power at that moment? Um, it's a good question. I don't know. And so- We know the answer. We know the answer is no. We know <laughs> that most people can. We know that there's a very small percentage that can. I mean, even I wore a mask so I could go into a supermarket. Because yeah. if I didn't put a mask on in New Jersey, I couldn't buy food. Like I, I was kept out from buy- and and so people aren't farming in those states. They're not like growing their own food. They don't, you know, even if they have a rooftop little garden in New York City, it's not enough to feed your family. So you have to rely on that structure. Well, to, you know to what? Survive. The way I see it, you know, think of the worst case scenario. The, uh, you know, cover your contingencies. Think about what can happen. And yeah, and then cover those contingencies and, and try to do the best you can. That's the only thing that I can think of, um, because I think that I think that we're headed for a decade of crisis, a decade of psyops, a decade of manipulation. And you know what? This is the time to become anti-fragile. This is a time to fortify yourself, to build those connections, to um, to you know decide what you're willing to put up with, what you're not, what your line in the sand is. Because it's coming, man. It's like you. It's it's coming, and um, you know, for some people, like there's some people that are moving to Paraguay, right, in order to to build up a stronghold. I think that the more decentralized, you know, the freedom network can get, right, uh, the better it is. It's harder. It's going to be harder. Like here, if if all the freedom uh, minded people are here in the United States, right, it's it's a lot easier to capture. But if people are forward thinking and they're like, okay. You know, the United States is going to be a battleground. Let me let me go to Africa and build up, you know, build a relationship with the government over there in order to build a mine. Um, let me uh, let me go to South America. Let me go to um, uh, El Salvador. I think that that's where the power really lies is in decentralization. And but it's going to take people to get out of their comfort zone to see the potential threats that exist, and then take the moves that are necessary in order to, you know, mitigate them. And, you know, you really have to be, to me, it's really got to be living for something beyond yourself, right? Um, for a lot of people, Bitcoin provides that. For other people, it's, it's you know, building the kingdom of God here on earth. So it's like, I think that in order to get out of your comfort zone to the degree, to what it takes in order to ensure freedom and liberty lives on is going to require you to make big decisions and sacrifices. But in the end, I think it's very worthwhile and fulfilling because if you look at it through the arc of history, this is the time for strong men to really stand up and actually um, do these things, do these big things, make these big moves. And you know what? I think the individual is very powerful and we can, we can actually affect great change if we're willing to take on those challenges. Well said. Well said. 
we're almost up on time, but I, I can't let you go without asking um, one more thing about fitness, right? Physical fitness. Sure. I know that you advocate for this and I've seen you do it. What kind of role do you think, like how required is it to be concentrated on physical fit? Because this is a place where I've lacked. I kind of go back and forth, you know, like I'll be in a mode where I want to get fit and then I just fall apart for a couple of years and then I go back to it. So like, how important is it, do you think, to be in that mindset of, of physical fitness to be really self-sovereign? I think it's, uh, I think it's um, the foundation of most of it, right? I, I do think that being physically fit creates the psychological and mental structure, right, to move up the learning curve in other areas of your life, to take on challenges in other areas of your life. Um, it gives you the confidence that's necessary in order to push forward through resistance because there's going to be a lot of resistance that you face in your life. And I think that, yeah, as a man, it is one of the underpinnings of what it takes to be to build that strength in order to take on those challenges. So for me, it's something that is very important. I know, um, you know, I've always worked out, but I've throughout my life. So it's, it's something that's ingrained within me. But when I was really trying to push through and make breakthroughs, um, where I, you know, I, I came to realize that, Hey, there's a lot of areas of my life where I'm not equipped to deal with, um, certain stressors and certain challenges. Right. And so, you know, the first thing I did was I got into the gym, um, into an MMA gym and really challenged myself. So it's going to build up your your discipline, right? It's going to build up your mental fortitude. Um, and all of that has a spillover effect that translates to different other challenges in your life. So I, I, I do think it's remarkably important. I think maybe there's a small subset that has the ability to push forward on challenges, get out of their comfort zone without uh, involving themselves in physical fitness. But I think for the vast majority of men, especially, uh, it is the underpinning of what it takes. So do you, you make that part of your coaching? Like, do you, like some fat dude comes to you and is like, I want to become more free. Like you tell him like sure. get in the gym right away. Sure. Yes. Okay. So yeah, it is. It, it, I mean, look, like I said, everyone's different and everyone approaches this differently. But if you're going to ask me for what I suggest, um, yeah, it is getting in the gym because it's going to build that confidence. It's going to build that mental fortitude for you to, to take on um, the, uh, the other challenges uh, and getting out of your comfort zone because that's what it's going to take. Yeah, freedom, you know that saying freedom isn't free, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, what, what do you think that comes from? That comes from, it takes work. Uh-oh. Oh, no, sorry. Hit the wrong button. Go ahead. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. So yeah, freedom isn't free. It takes work. And so like, that requires you getting out of your comfort zone. And especially, Chris, I don't know about you, but for me, man, I was acclimated to so many fiat ways. There were so many habits that were bred and, 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 and instilled into me from this kind of artificial abundance that's created from fiat society, right? Uh, you know, from drinking to other addictions to, you know, just drifting through life, partying, having a good time, not really being mission focused. Um, because there isn't that sense of urgency there. Why? Why? 
why when there's all this, you know, artificial abundance, I can just take out another loan and cover, cover, you know, my, my, uh, my previous debts and just keep kick the can down the road. Right. But mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see that disappear now. Inflation is really eating into people's lives. It's really reducing the standard of living. People, I don't know how they're surviving here in the U.S. I, you know, I've severely cut down my expenses. Um, and, um, you know, in order to maintain your standard of living, it's going to require you to push, push, push through uh, and become something more than what you are now. Um, and so, yeah, how do you do that? Well, in my opinion, it all starts with getting in the gym and becoming stronger. And that, that is going to build the mental resilience that you need in order, to, uh, in order to really dig down deep and tap into your full potential. Man, it's like people are incentivized almost to do the wrong things, you know, like with, with the way we handle welfare and the way we handle um, health insurance and, and just the way the government typically does things. People are incentivized to do the wrong thing and then get bailed out, you know? And so it's a, it's a mess, you know? Yeah, like it so, goes back to like people will do whatever is, people will not turn down free money. People will do whatever is going to make them the most money. And when you have government involved in this, the easiest way, right, that's yeah. true. The it's, easiest ev- way is to make free money. Everyone's chasing something for nothing. And so, and you're right, you can see the incentive structure uh, throughout society. So, for instance, I remember just driving and seeing these kind of signs that are on the side of the road, right? Uh, these uh, temporary signs. I, I don't know what they're actually called, but um, it said, you know, it was for tax rebates or, or you know, tax credits. And it was like one child, this much, two child, this much, three child, this <laughs> yeah. much, right? Yeah. And it's like, you're incentivizing like women to go out there and have like as many children as they can with whoever it is, right? In order to get Absolutely. as much as much money as they can from the government because there's this whole welfare system that's built upon it, creating this detrimental um, incentive structure. So yeah, we need to, and once you see it, you can't unsee it. I start to see the the malinvestment everywhere, the bad incentives, people chasing things that are, uh, are not important, are not meaningful to life in general. And it's all to make a quick buck. It's all to extract as much money as they can because this system uh, incentivize that, right? It's perpetually bleeding people out. So they're always, you know, trying to figure out how to, to make the next buck, how to get ahead. And, um, yeah, it just creates these horrible incentives. And you're right, especially in the realm of health and and so forth. It's like, where are all these people going to go now who have, you know, inflation depends on how you calculate it. 40, 50, hundred percent, I know doubled over the past three years, uh, in some cases. And what are these people going to do now for food and for living? They're going to go to, they're going to start substituting what they ate before with cheaper, crappier food. And again, that's going to then just, you know, create fuel for this whole um, medical industrial complex. It's like Mm -hmm. when you look at what fiat has done, it has really destroyed society. And I think that the first thing that people do, I know when I discovered fiat, I was revolted. And the first thing I did was like, I was like, I got to figure out how to reorient my life. So I have as little to do with this as possible. And part of that, you talk about fitness, you know, like, do you want to be caught up in this medical industrial complex? Like I've seen it, you know, uh, both, both of my parents had cancer and, uh, I've seen what it's like to be sucked into that system. And they, they try to keep you there, 
Uh, and once you're in, man, it's hard to get out. And so, you know, staying fit, staying healthy is part of that revolt. It's part of the revolt against the fiat system. Um, and so, yeah, that's another reason. It's, it's a huge part of tapping into your personal sovereignty, right? The more that you can stay out of that revolving, the, the, the revolving door of the medical system, the better. And, um, you know, a lot of these ailments perhaps are even treatable um, on your own through just taking care of yourself, through avoiding the cancerous chemicals that are put in our food supply and water supply and so forth. So I think it's, very, it's something to be very conscious about and really, um, it's really a big part of developing out your personal sovereignty. Yeah. Ultimately, you said it before. It's about thinking about something bigger than just yourself, you know, and that could be religion. That could be your kids, your grandkids. That could be, you know, other uh, people who you feel like you're affecting in life, you know, in the world. But like if your concerns end when you're dead, then you're going to act selfishly during your life. If your concerns extend for a hundred years, five hundred years, whatever it might be, then you're going to think differently, you know. And that's where you know when we're engaged in these battles with, you know, terrorists and stuff like that, and you hear them talking about you know thousand-year wars, and you realize we're sitting here thinking about like just tomorrow and nothing else, you start to realize um, the role that religion is playing, you know, in sort of extending their view. Um, not to say that it's right or what they're, you know, sometimes trying to do, but like, it, it's important to do that if you want to, if you want, if you really are genuine about wanting to make the world a better, freer place, you know, and it's hard at the same time, because if we just turn down all the free money, if we just turn down all of the, you know, like the, uh, the paycheck protection thing during the pandemic was such a good example, because, you know, there was so much money on the table that that could be obtained, you know, legally through programs that were going on during the pandemic. And then people like me are sitting there like, okay, I qualify for this. I can see exactly how bad it is for the economy, how bad it is for freedom in general. But at the same time, if I don't take advantage of it, then I'm just going to be, you know, I'm going to have less resources to be able to, to achieve my goals. You know, so it's like, like we were saying before, like, why is Hillary Clinton and Bill Gates up there so powerful and so rich um it's because they took advantage of every possible opportunity to get there and achieve that and have the resources to control the world whereas libertarians almost always fail because we just stay by ourselves we leave each other alone we don't chase all of the opportunities all the free money all the scams all the fraud you know and it's like it's why we always fail so we have to find some way to to walk that thin line and stay free and stay sovereign while also trying to take control of the power structures so so this is like interesting this is interesting uh you, you're making me think here i okay but that system ultimately comes to an end right the system that you're talking about uh with the fiat system where you know it creates this whole incentive structure where you constantly got to chase participate you basically have to participate in the scam in order to stay afloat and stay ahead mm -hmm. right that ultimately comes ahead uh comes to an end would you say so Sure. Eventually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But in the meantime, you know, it's like, sure. Yeah. I don't believe in, uh, uh, you know, taxation, like, like I don't believe in social security and stuff like that, but I think, or at least the, the current version of it. Um, but when I turn 65, I'm going to take it, you know, because 
if I don't, then it's just going to go to other, you know, it's going to go to people who actually probably, you know, believe in that system and think that, that it should be this way, you know? So it's like, people say, like, if you're really principled, you would turn down the paycheck protection program money. You would turn down any government assistance that ever comes your way. But if you do that, you're just perpetuating the failure of libertarians because you, you have less resources. You're spending all your time worrying about paying your rent, buying your food, and you, you have less time to plan and to think and to activate in a libertarian sovereign mindset. You know, yeah. so it's such a tricky thing. Like, it's a trade-off. It goes back to trade-offs. It's like, how can we walk that thin line? And how can libertarians come to terms with the fact that we actually have to control people? We have to control people because people are not willing to um, make that leap. And they never will be. They never will be in, in the, for the rest of humanity until well, we take control. So where I was going with this is I think that system eventually ends. And I think that we're starting to see the end of that system now, right? But I think what we need to do as libertarian, sovereign-minded individuals is provide the alternatives, right? Have the alternatives there that when people are discovering, okay, now what do I do? This system has failed me. Where do I turn, right? It's, we're going to be competing against the CBDC central uh, social credit score system versus this other system, this more sovereign-minded, libertarian, Bitcoin-centric system, right? And so it's like, have, have the forward-thinking ability now to already see that as the next frontier of freedom and start building out your communities now. Start building out your alternative systems now because people are going to be looking for a home. And this other system, they're going to make it very convenient to slide right in, right? To, you know, you, you might have to, you might have to implant a chip into your, into your hand. You might have to become part of a central bank digital currency system, but you'll have all the food, you'll have everything, you'll have access to all the, the resources that they have, right? Or do you want to go down this route where you kind of maintain your sovereignty and you live a simpler life, but you know, it's, it's still a good life. Um, you know, I think, I think that's going to be the battle. I mean, that's the way I see it in my head. I do see this system eventually collapsing and it's like, we're going to have to be, be the ones to provide the alternative system, like collectively, like the, um, and, um, yeah, what do people choose? That's going to be the, the big question. Fascinating, man. <laughs> I think, it's I think a, a lot great of chat. Yeah, it's been a great chat. I could keep on going, but yeah, I think we, we could leave it there. And, uh, man, it's always good talking to you, Chris. Where can people, uh, find you on Twitter and do you have a website? Yeah. So on Twitter, it's S O V mindset. And my website is thesovereignmindset.com. Uh, you, can, you can go to either one and you'll be able to get in contact with me. Thank you for joining, man. One of my, my favorite podcast chats so far. So I appreciate you being here. Oh, I appreciate it, Chris. That was awesome. Thank you.